theories of the third kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron. The other host joining me is Daniel Sun. Hello. Now, before we start today's episode, we do have a quick announcement to make. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by joining our Patreon. For just $5 a month, enjoy weekly Patreon-exclusive episodes and access to our extensive back catalog of over 197 Patreon episodes that are all ad-free. You can now sign up to our Patreon via Spotify by going to our podcast on the Spotify app and clicking on the banner that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. I know things are tough out there right now, so if you can't afford a Patreon membership but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or Spotify. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, remember, our content is entirely human-made. No AI was involved or harmed in the process. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is Strange News number 7. Now, if you have never listened to a Strange News before, it's pretty much like a Theories Thursday. And if you've never listened to a Theories Thursday before, it's okay. So a Strange News is where Daniel and I each select multiple different news topics and we independently research them and then we discuss them with one another on today's show. And these news topics are not your normal news topics. No, they're the weird and strange. Strange. So the most difficult part is determining who goes first. I'll go first. Now, before we get into that, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. All right, welcome back. What's your first strange news topic today, Dan? Oddly enough, though, my first strange news article is not really strange, but it's something that happened in Iceland that I thought was really kind of fascinating, but scary and dangerous at the same time. Okay. So since December of last year, Iceland has been dealing with their volcano deciding to spew magma all over the place, which I didn't know that was happening over there in Iceland. I didn't either. Residents on Iceland's Reykjanes Peninsula was facing a ton of destruction just last week when they were dealing with the third volcano eruption since December. On February 8th, around 5.30 a.m., eruption ripped open a 1.9-mile fissure in the Earth's surface, 
just 2.5 miles north of Grindavik, which I have a picture of it. Yeah, that's pretty intense. It looks like somebody just put down a bunch of gasoline in a line and then lit it up. Yeah, but this is an aerial view, so it looks a little bit smaller. That's what she said. So if you want to see that photograph as well as all the other images that we talk about on today's episode, you can just go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on today's episode, and all of the pictures, images, whatever is going to be right there for you to look at. That's right. So Iceland's weather office estimated that 9 million cubic meters of magma had built up in the underground volcanic chamber. Then the pressure grew too much and caused the volcano to burst open. The weather team stated that the lava would have traveled south mostly, but this latest eruption for some reason traveled west, not destroying any houses like the previous eruptions, which actually made it into the town of Grindavik and actually burned down three houses, which they ended up evacuating the town. I think they would have evacuated it before then, but... You think you would feel and hear lava coming? I know, would you really hear the lava? <laughs> I guess it's burning everything. Yeah, that's what I imagine it sounds like. That's a weird burning sound. If you or a loved one have experienced a volcano, send us an email and tell us what it sounds like. So this last eruption, the third one, actually made its way down west and actually destroyed the hot water pipe that supplied more than 20,000 houses, though. Now, repair on those pipelines have already started, but they are worried that any more eruptions that could happen would probably get too close to geothermal power station that's located not too far from it. Now, if that were to happen, more than 30,000 people would be affected, but they said that they flew a drone over it, and they were just like, well, we don't see any more activity, so we think that the eruptions are subsiding now, so everything should be good. But that's when the experts come in. They're just like, wait a second here. Y'all say it looks good, but this island usually experiences an eruption every four to five years because of its location, which I didn't know that Iceland it is positioned right where the crack in the ocean floor is that divides the Eurasian and the North American tectonic plates, which this allows for more frequent eruptions to happen. What a crappy place to be positioned. That's what I'm saying. In total, since 2022, there have been five eruptions, with three of them being since December of last year, which leads volcanologists to say it's probably the start of a new era of activity in the region. So they definitely expect more to happen, which... I don't even know why you would live in this area. I'd visit it. I wouldn't live there. Yeah. I do have a satellite photo showing the last eruption and how far it spread. It looks small. Looks small. That's what she said. But it's actually like over two miles long, and then it like traveled over two, three miles as well. Mm. But yeah, the town of Grindavik doesn't seem to be in immediate danger now since it decided to travel the other way. But they aren't worried about the gas pollution that happened because if you see in the satellite photo, there's like a dark cloud. Oh, I thought that was the shadow. Shadow. If you look in the middle, it's not like a pure white cloud. Oh, that cloud. Yeah, they were just like, the only reason it wasn't like a pure white cloud is because it mixed with water and then the reaction to it caused a darker cloud, which supposedly caused like uh, gas pollution. Sounds just like steam to me. But yeah, they're just like, yeah, it's. It's fine. It's not going to hurt nobody. The only thing that uh, Grindavik has to worry about are sinkholes and more earthquakes that's caused by the false movement after these eruptions. So, yeah, that's uh, fun news for Iceland. Yeah. I don't even know if we have any listeners in Iceland. I don't know, but I hope they're not in Grindavik. Well, they're probably not in Grindavik right now. Maybe they are. They're just swimming around in the lava. 
Don't you have the urge just to grab some of that lava? I do when I see it. I do, actually, because it looks kind of like Play-Doh or something. Yeah. But yeah, they, they're expecting more eruptions in the future from this volcano, which I don't know what the hell it's going to do to the tectonic plates and how that's going to affect the rest of the area. All right. Well, thank you for that first strange news story, Dan. Yeah, I figured I'd get the boring one out of the way. All right. So I guess I'll go on with my first strange news story for this episode, which is about an unbelievable theft that occurred. So this story starts off around two weeks ago. There was a landscaping crew in Jasper, Alabama, and they had gone to do their routine maintenance at a radio tower. Now, when I say routine maintenance, it's just, you know, cutting shrubs, grass in the area, stuff like that. Mm, maintenance. Yeah. So shortly after arriving, the landscaping crew called the radio station's general manager, Brent Elmore. They told Brent, uh, hey, you know how you guys have like a 200-foot-tall radio tower? Well, that bitch is gone. Brent responded with, what do you mean the tower's gone? Are you sure that you're at the right place? The crew responded with, yeah, we're at the right place. I'm telling you, there are wires everywhere, and the 200-foot tower is gone. Of course, after hearing this, Brent called the police, and upon arriving at the station, it was discovered that someone had taken WJLX's radio station's AM transmitter tower that was 200 feet tall. This baffled not only the radio station, but also the police. And shortly after that, the radio station decided to make a post on Facebook trying to see if anyone in the town could help them because they figured, hey, if somebody took this, <laughs> this, this tower, you know, there's got to be some word of like a, of a 200-foot tower traveling across town. So the Facebook post stated, this is going to get out eventually, so I might as well make it public before it does. I have heard of thieves in the area stealing anything, but this one takes the cake. This morning, my crew went down to a tower site to do an early cleanup of the property before we did some more work down there. When they arrived, they called and notified me that not only was my building vandalized, but my, in all capital letters, 200-foot tower was gone. They stole every piece of equipment out of the building, cut the guide wires to the tower, and somehow managed to take down a 200-foot tower and take it from the property. Jasper police are investigating, and hopefully they find out who did it. It is a federal crime to tamper with a federally licensed facility. If you have any information, please call the Jasper Police Department at 205-221-2121. So that was their Facebook post. And shortly after that was made, certain news stations in the area started picking up the story. Eventually, the mayor of the city came out and stated that even though the radio station filed a police report, the local police department cannot do anything because they lack the information needed to conduct a full-fledged investigation. Which I thought that was very odd. What information are they needing? I mean, hey, the tower's missing. Go look for it. Anyway, I thought that was very odd. Yeah. 
So the radio station stated that on Thursday morning, the FCC was notified by WJLX radio station that, hey, our AM station is off air because someone stole our 200-foot tower. However, the radio station requested that their FM radio station stay on air because they still have the FM transmitter. The FCC ended up denying their request and told them that they could only operate their FM station once they have their AM station back up. It's pretty messed up. That is. So following this, the radio station made another post and stated that WJLX radio station listeners can listen to the radio station online. Also, their tower and equipment was not insured, and replacing the tower could cost anywhere between $100,000 to $150,000. Due to this, they started a GoFundMe campaign to raise $60,000 so that they could get a tower and get back on air. Now, the station's manager, Britt, the one who was originally informed of this happening, he did state that there are no suspects in the theft, but that he does not see some guy off the street doing this, that it looks like a professional hit. You got professional tower stealers? It has to be another a radio station. <laughs> They're beefing. They're they beefing. steal their tower. Uh, also, around six months ago, a nearby radio station had their air conditioning unit, copper pipes, and other materials stolen, and the thieves were never caught. So there has to be someone out there that knows something. So if you or a loved one knows of anyone in the Jasper, Alabama area who has a 200-foot radio tower in their possession, contact the Jasper, Alabama Police Department at 205-221-2121. And that is the end of my first strange news story. 200-foot tower being stolen. I mean, I've heard of thieves stealing copper pipes and stuff like that out of buildings. Yeah. In Waco, they were building a lot of hotels when it was expanding quickly. And one of the hotels that they built was gigantic. And it was delayed because midway through the building of it, they didn't put a fence around it. And thieves came in there at night right after they installed all the copper piping and wires and stripped the entire hotel in one night. That's pretty impressive. It is. But you'd think that police departments would be in touch with recycling facilities, you know. So if a 200-foot tower goes missing and a recycling facility gets a random crushed-up thing that looks similar to a tower that tries to be recycled, that the police would get notified. I feel like it was an inside job by the government officials, like the mayor. He had something to do with it. Why, why would the mayor have something to do with it? How do you move a 200-foot tower with no one reporting it to the police? You think those towers, not only are they tall, but they're actually pretty wide. Well, no, it's probably one of those like skinny ones. But still, pretty damn big. Moving that around... You know someone has to, like, report that. Be like, oh, we're driving down the road and this person almost hit us with this big-ass friggin' tower on there. I mean, I'm pretty sure they broke it down, but still. I don't know. I think maybe it's the radio station, Brett. He's like, oh, let's get sympathy, get a GoFundMe, get new equipment. 
sprinkler. I mean, they're only raising sixty thousand when it, the equipment could cost up to one hundred fifty thousand, which I thought it cost more. Well, they were talking about purchasing a used tower. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing is weird. Maybe they have the the original one hidden somewhere, and then they raise the money. And then like, oh hey, we bought it. And it's the original one. <laughs> money laundering scheme. The fact that they didn't have insurance on it, though. Well, I mean, do you really suspect that someone's going to come steal a 200-foot tower? I mean, mostly for, like, weather. Yeah, that's true. All right, so what's this next strange news story that you have for us, Dan? Now, before we get into that, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. All right, welcome back. So what's this next strange news story that you have for us, Dan? All right, so this one is a couple steps up above my previous one. This one, I had no choice but to add on here. Aaron, I got to ask you this first question, though. Have you ever had a pet that you loved so much that you wanted to keep around forever? Mm, yeah. Would you ever have them stuffed? Absolutely not. Well, somebody decided to have their pet stuffed. Oh, boy. That is what this article is about. Jess Porter Langson had a pet that she loved dearly, and it was her pet hamster that passed away. She didn't want to bury it or cremate it, so she actually had it in her freezer for quite a while, trying to figure out what she wanted to do with it. She had it like in a little plastic tub, wrapped in plastic, in the bottom of her freezer, which I would never do. That's where the food goes. Yeah. So, yeah, she didn't want to bury it or cremate it, she wanted to do something extremely special for it because this hamster that she named Hammington, a.k.a. Hammy, was very dear to her. So she paid over $200 to have Hammy stuffed. Now, where I come from, there's taxidermists everywhere. People have the deer that they shot, wolves, well, not wolves, but coyotes, bears, you know, fish mounted. Bobcats. Bobcats. Ducks. But she wanted Hammy, her hamster, to be stuffed and not in some natural position like you would see all these other ones. She wanted Hammy immortalized as a tiny stripper dancing for cash around a pole, which would have miniature little dollar bills hanging out of a hot pink thong. A stripper hamster? A stripper hamster. Working the pole, wearing a pink thong. I have a picture for visual. Oh, Jesus Christ. Is that scary or not? It looks like it just died. Look at its hands. It's been frozen for, I think, quite a while. Oh, my God. What did she do with this? She just put it up in her room? It is in her room. It actually sits, I wouldn't say on her nightstand, beside her bed, but pretty close. So it's in her bedroom. 
where Hammy watches over her. Okay. But uh, she talked about Hammy saying that Hammy was her emotional support hamster when she moved to London in her early 20s. She was like, I don't know where the stripper thing came from, but she thought to herself, what's more iconic than a hamster on a stripper pole hustling for money? I mean, I don't know about iconic. Weird. Creepy. Weird. Yeah. yeah. But supposedly all of her friends loved the idea. So they were just like, you have to do right by Hammy. You got to turn Hammy into a stripper in a G-string. But this led me to look up the person that actually did this, I don't know, mounting, stuffing. And it's a woman named Bia Ostroka. She has her own business and website. And have you seen the movie Dinner for Schmucks? I have. Yes. And you know how he would take like dead mice and immortalize them in different ways? Mm hmm. That's exactly what she does. Oh my God. Her website is very interesting. It's uh, BeaOddCreations.com. And they actually have a link that if you click it, it's a, a workshop. So if you wanted to get into taxidermy of like hamsters and such. You could take classes? She will teach a class, a beginner class. And it's actually called Necromancy for Beginners. Hmm. But yeah, that was actually on the news in the UK. You think this was a publicity stunt by the taxidermist? I don't know. Supposedly she just does it for fun or it's a, I think it might be her job. I don't know. But I'll add this next picture that I had. I sent Aaron it in the middle of the night. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The gremlin. She turned a hamster into a gremlin. It's the iconic gremlin, the one wearing the shades and the brown raincoat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she turned into that. I'll add that picture onto the website for everyone to take a look at. Like I was reading the comments. People were just like, why is this even a, on the news? No one cares. And it's just freaking weird, which I mean, it's very weird. It's a hamster in a thong dancing around a pole with money. I mean, if somebody gave that to me, I'd stick it in my room, but I wouldn't pay for it. I wouldn't even stick it in my room. I'd put it somewhere out of sight. But hey, you know, to each their own. You know, she loved her hamster Hamilton that much. Well, thank you for that news story, Dan. You're welcome. You see the nice little bow tie thong on it? Yeah, I was looking at that. Did a very nice job, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope your next story is better than that one. <laughs> well, it does involve a corpse. Oh, goodness. So my next strange news topic is about a couple in Kansas and a dead corpse. So this story all starts back in 2008. At the age of 73, an individual named Mike Carroll, who was a telecommunications employee, ended up finally retiring. Now, after retiring, Mike started receiving benefits from his pension and the Social Security Administration. Now, what you need to know about Mike is that he had a daughter who at the time was around 47 years old when he retired. His daughter was married to a guy named Kirk. Since the late 1990s, both Lynn and Kirk moved in with Mike and were financially dependent on him. And later on in Mike's life, they served as his caretaker. So after Mike retired, everything was normal. Lynn and Kirk still lived with him, and, you know, they just enjoyed their life. However, in 2016, that would all change. So around this time, in 2016, 
other family members of Mike's, which it would be Mike's and Lynn's because Mike is Lynn's father. So other family members started to notice that Mike was not coming around or even answering the phone. That is when they decided to reach out to Lynn and Kirk, who they knew lived with Mike. Both Lynn and Kirk would give their family excuses about why Mike could never take a phone call or even visit them. This lasted for years. His family never heard from him. Eventually, in 2022, Kirk decided to call the police and tell them that Mike was dead. Now, why he did this, it was never explained. They kept this under wraps, why Kirk ended up snitching on them. But the police showed up to the house and discovered Mike's body mummified on his bed. Of course, foul play was suspected and an investigation was opened up into the case. Eventually, it was discovered that, according to Mike's pacemaker, he had died six years prior in 2016, and Lynn, along with her husband Kirk, just let him lay there in his bed and mummify. So in those six years while he was dead, the couple kept receiving payments from his pension and social security, and in total, they received over $215,000. Now, both Lynn and Kirk were arrested and each face one count of wire fraud and two counts of theft of government funds, and both of them face up to 30 years in prison and fines up to $350,000 each. Also, what's sad is that this entire time, the rest of Mike's family assumed that he was alive. That was until Kirk went to the police in 2022 and was like, hey, Mike's dead. Which the only reason why he would have done that is if Lynn and him got into an argument or something. They were probably going to divorce. And he went and told on her. Didn't realize that it was going to screw him over too. I have a photograph right there of Mike. Looks like a, you know, normal old white dude. Yeah. You just have to think about it. He was laying in that bed for six years dead. He had to have smelled because not only did the rotting corpse and all that, but doesn't the body pretty much... Uh, Collect gases and starts to expand. Not just that, though. I think after a body's, you know, after a person dies after a while, it expels everything in their bowels. Oh, I thought that was immediate. Is that immediate? I think so. Once you die, you expel all your shit and piss oh then that should have been there too well if they let his corpse mummify on his bed i'm sure they didn't care about that they were like eh. but man that smell though it's crazy there's some sick individuals in this world how could you go on living for six years walking past the room knowing that oh your father was in there dead yeah that's so mm. and i saw this story but i did not know that it was his daughter that makes it even worse because I thought it was just like some caretakers. Nope. It was his daughter. Oh, man. So that was my second story. So let's get on to your third story, Dan. What do you have for us? Well, my third story is kind of the opposite of yours. Okay. Where the family thought Mike was still alive. Mm -hmm. This one was the opposite. They thought that a loved one had died. A loved one had been dead for a while. So there was a kid named Tyler Chase who lived in Portland, Oregon, 22 years old. And in 2020, 
he started having a rough time. His life wasn't going so well. He was battling years of drug addiction, living on the streets. And then to top it off, that same year, he ended up losing his mother. So pretty much everything just went downhill for him. Then in 2021, he ended up in prison and was eventually released into a transitional housing facility on the condition that he would complete an addiction recovery program, which he agreed to. Now, somehow, though, instead of getting news of Tyler being released and entering a recovery program, his family got news that Tyler had passed away from a drug overdose. His family, not wanting to come see the body to verify. I thought you have to verify. They did not. Okay. All they found on the body was a driver's license. And they're just like, yep, this is Tyler. We're letting you know that we found Tyler. He passed away from a drug overdose. You want to come see the body, verify? Nope, that's him. He was addicted to drugs. Oh, okay. So they just gave up on him. Pretty much. So October of 2021, the body was cremated and the urn of ashes was sent and given to Tyler's cousin, Latasha. His cousin said that her family and her had to raise more than $1,000 to help pay for the cremation in the urn. And while that was going on, Tyler was still going through the recovery program. So he was still alive. He was still alive. And it was one day he decided to visit the shop and use his food stamp card only to find out that it was denied. Come to find out, his food stamps account was deactivated. You know, Tyler was sober for a couple months now, and he was trying his hardest to get a job. But for some reason, no job would call him back. Like, nothing. And he didn't know why. And after being denied trying to use his food stamp card, he decided to call up the Oregon's Department of Human Services, only to find out that, they're like, oh, yeah, we deactivated it because Tyler Chase died. He's like, no, I didn't. I'm right here. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm still alive. And they're just like, what do you mean you're still alive? We've already verified that you died. We have a death certificate here saying that you died of a drug overdose. That alerted them. They're just like, well, we got someone here claiming to be a dead person. So they're probably trying to steal their identity. Yeah. So, of course, they, the Department of Human Services sent the cops out to go talk to him. The Portland Police Bureau showed up at the housing facility where Tyler was staying to check to see if this was really Tyler or not. The officer that first interacted with Tyler said, and I quote, Never in the 20 years I've served have I dealt with something like this. With the Department of Human Services calling them, the police were really ready to just go in there and just arrest someone pretending to be somebody else. But to sit there and talk to this person and actually see a real driver's license, realizing like, holy shit, this is Tyler Chase. So the police helped him, took him to the Department of Human Services, where he ended up talking with a bunch of workers there, where they were all confused because in their hands, they had the death certificate of Tyler Chase. So Tyler Chase's supposed body was sent to Multnomah County Medical Examiner's Office. That's where they said they verified that it was Tyler Chase, which all they found on the body was Tyler's old wallet and a temporary driver's license, which is one of those paper ones. Mm, not even a picture. Not even a picture on it, and it was smudged. And they were just like, oh, there's a name, Tyler Chase. This must be him. Come to find out, the body was of an older, shorter, skinnier, and, well, a ginger, which Tyler Chase wasn't. So this body that they got was a much older person, not someone that's 22 years old. Which I know someone, like, on drugs, it can make them look way older. Yeah. But this guy was supposedly way older. Now, the spokesperson for the medical examiner's office released a statement saying, and I quote, We deeply regret that the misidentification happened. 
The misidentification occurred because the deceased person was carrying Mr. Tyler Chase's wallet and his official temporary Oregon driver's license. Going forward, all individuals who are found with a temporary state-issued identification must also have fingerprints submitted for positive identification to ensure that this will never happen again. I mean, you get your fingerprints taken at the DMV. But you figured they would do more than just look at a paper temporary driver's license and be like, oh, this is him. Sounds like somebody got lazy at the medical examiner's office and then bit him in the ass. That's exactly what happened. And that statement right there is just like, well, going forward, if we have any other case like this, we'll make sure to fingerprint so this doesn't happen again. Moving on, though, Tyler's family's glad that he's alive, that he's doing better and all that. Can you imagine their face if he just walked in the house? What's up, guys? They're like, what the f***? Yeah, like they were all shocked because they just had to go through the process of raising money to help pay for the cremation and everything. And then next they get a call from Department of Human Services like, oh, hey, uh, we made a mistake. Tyler's alive. Congrats. And then now they're all staring at this urn on their friggin' mantle. They're just like, who is that? Which they did end up finding the person's family. Now, before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break. This is our last one. So don't go nowhere. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back. Which they did end up finding the person's family, but they didn't release the name of the person. So they were able to identify the ashes in the urn and who it belonged to? They actually verified who it was finally. But it's the fact that Tyler's family had this urn for, I don't know, like three, four months before finding out that Tyler was actually still alive. If I was that other family, I'd sue the medical examiner's office. Oh, I would too, and shoot, Tyler should as well. I mean, that made it harder for him to try to find a job because you figure, though, if he had a death certificate, he was presumed dead, and now he's using the name, social security number, and everything to try to get a job, that should have, like, alerted something. It should have. But the whole time, nobody, nobody reported, like, hey, this person's using a dead person's social security and all that stuff, trying to get a job. So it was weird. Like, he was being denied jobs because they thought he was dead. There needs to be better checks and balances in place. Yeah. But from what I know, Tyler seems to be doing better, going through a recovery program. I don't know if he found a job yet, but... Well, good for him. Yeah, that, that got to suck, though. You know, trying to work on getting yourself better than somebody being lazy makes a mistake like that, to where pretty much they just ended your life. Sucks. Well, if you are a loved one have died and came back from the dead or was declared dead and you actually didn't die, send us an email. We'd love to hear your story. Yeah. But thank you for that, Dan. You're welcome. All right. Well, let's get on to the next strange news topic, which is about an ancient Roman artifact that was discovered. So in June of last year, a group of amateur archaeologists in England were almost completely done with their excavation trip at a Roman site when they discovered something amazing. The archaeologists discovered an ancient artifact called a dodecahedron. Now, what is a dodecahedron? Well, it is a circular copper object 
that is usually the size of a golf ball. The object has 12 sides along with various holes and knobs all around it. And I do have a photograph of one of those dodecahedrons. It is a very weird looking object, but if you've ever played the game Path of Exile, they have these in the game Path of Exile. And you can collect fossils and socket them into your dodecahedrons and all that stuff. Now, more than a hundred of these objects have been found across Europe. However, no one knows exactly what they are used for. Throughout the years, archaeologists have paired up with historians to try to find any text that describe these objects. However, there are no known visual or written descriptions of this object. Now, there are a lot of theories as to what this artifact was used for. For example, some say that it was a gauge or a rangefinder. Others say it was a candlestick or even used as dice for gambling. However, none of those theories are supported by any evidence. Now, what we do know is that a huge amount of time, energy, and skill was taken to create these dodecahedrons, which leads a lot of people to believe that the object was likely used for ritual and religious purposes. Because otherwise, why would someone spend hundreds of hours creating this object just to roll it down, you know, some dirt and say, oh, you owe me this amount of money since it landed on this, you know, side or something. Now, when it comes to these artifacts, these dodecahedrons, they are usually discovered in bits and pieces. However, the one that they had just found was fully intact and it was a lot larger than they normally are. So like I said, they're normally the size of golf balls. This one that was found was the size of a grapefruit. And what makes this latest discovery unique is not only it being, you know, fully intact in excellent condition, a lot bigger than the other ones, but also it is the only one that has been uncovered in the central region of England known as the Midlands. Also, after some testing, one of the archaeologists came out and stated that the artifact was placed there in the Midlands around 1,700 years ago. And for whatever reason it was placed there, they have no idea. Someone either dropped it or placed it there or died with it there or something. But they don't know how it got there. But it's the only one that's been discovered in that location. And if you want to go see this artifact, it is currently on display at the National Civil War Center at the museum in England. So there you go. Dodecahedrons. I think it's a tool for measuring something. If you look at the holes, most of them are of different sizes. So I feel like it's a tool for measuring something. I think they just used it to beam people with. Like, hey, you're acting up. Here, take this dodecahedron across the face. Each hole is like throwing a baseball, like holding it. If you put a finger on this one and this one, you throw it, curves. Yeah. I don't know. It looks like a... Maybe it's a fleshlight. All those different holes, different sizes, you know? I mean, if I looked at that, the first thing that comes to mind is the little cube for changing brakes. I don't know if you ever seen one of those. Nope, never seen it. I don't know why, but it reminds me of that. Each one is like a different design for different uh, brakes. So I feel like this thing was used for like almost different socket sizes. Okay. 
but there's no edges on it. It's all circular, so I don't know how it would really work. And what would it work on, you know? But I can see that, it being a, a multi-tool of sorts. Possibly back then they had to have nails. They used like little wooden pegs for nails to hold stuff together. Maybe those are for different sizes. We solved it. Call them up in England, let them know. Two Americans sitting in a podcast studio solved it. That's what it is right there. It's for the different size little wood pegs to build something. It's a carpenter's tool. Nice. We would like a trophy, please. Yes. Give me a trophy. <laughs> Smartest Asian. <laughs> All right. Find out completely wrong. There's like dumbest Asian. Here you go. Send you a middle finger. Yeah. All right. So that's my third story. Tell us about your fourth and last story you have for us, Dan. So this last story that I found is about a psychic that predicted the queen's death using asparagus and what she actually sees for the future of 2024. Using asparagus? Asparagus. All right. Now, Jemima Packington. Is that a real name? That is her real name. All right. Jemima Packington is the world's only known asparamancer. <laughs> that is the official title. I am not making this shit up. She is able to take a bunch of asparagus, throw them into the air, and look at the pattern that they make to predict the future. That is so odd. Asparagus of all things. Asparamancer. Asparamancer. I mean, it sounds badass. It but does. then when you find out what it is, you're just like, but uh, she said that her gift was inherited from her aunt who was able to read tea leaves and then base her prediction off of those. Packington said, and I quote, I still cast the asparagus spears and interpret the patterns in them. Seeing the patterns for me is instantaneous. Possibly that is because I've had years of practice. I'm usually about 75 to 90% accurate with my predictions. I go through my predictions each year and think, yep, that's happened. Yep, that's happened. Occasionally, I get one slightly off where I haven't quite read it correctly, but I'm never far off. I predicted Boris Johnson would become prime minister about four years before he did, and everyone laughed their socks off. Now, she had supposedly predicted not only the Queen's death, but Boris Johnson becoming prime minister, but also large events such as the Brexit and Annie Murray's uh, Wimbledon win, which I'm assuming all these are like from different years, because I think Annie Murray's last win was in 2016. From what I looked up, so. I don't know. I don't, I don't follow golf. <laughs> oh, I thought it was bowling. But, yeah, supposedly she decided to do a 2024 year prediction. So she took some asparagus, tossed them up in the air, and she's like, oh, this is what I see. 15 things that could possibly happen. Oh, let's hear them. I, I want to hear the list. You got the list? I got the list. All right. Let's hear the 15 things that are going to happen in 2024 according to the prophet, the asparagus spears. The Asparamancer. Tell us, Asparagus, what our future holds. The first one is a regime change will take place throughout the world as people grow tired of their leaders. So I'm guessing a bunch of world leaders are going to be changing. Which, I mean, kind of. I mean, yeah, there's election going there's on. There's the election. So. All right. The next one, separations and divorces are due within the royal family, which uh, she said it was a special emphasis from Montecito, California, where Harry and Meghan live. So they're getting divorced. She believes that they're going to get divorced. The third one, celeb culture is dying as the public focuses on rising costs of living. I can see that because you look at the cost of Super Bowl tickets. How much were they? People spending $30,000 a ticket. Some people spending like minimum $8,000 a ticket. Why? I have no idea. It is stupid. 
And then you go and you look at the cost of groceries. I ordered some wings, some cornbread, red beans and rice. Only like two sacks of groceries yesterday and it was over a hundred bucks. It's yeah. like, what the hell is going on? So I can see the people revolting. Once the people start starving is when the true revolt happens. As long as the people have food, they're not going to revolt. True. When you have your loved ones starving, that's when shit hits the fan. Anyways, continue with your asparagus predictions, experimenter. All right, the fourth one, Team GB, Great Britain, will not be successful at the 2024 Olympic Games, so they're not going to do very well. Next one, world opinions will change regarding the events in the Middle East, and it will reach a breaking point. So I guess all the stuff that's happening over there right now, okay, their minds are going to be, or their opinions going to change, and they're going to realize that, I guess, enough is enough. Mm. Yeah. Then uh, UK extremist groups will lose support. I didn't know they had uh, extremist groups. The United Kingdom. Oh, well, they're pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Then uh, an increase in female referees officiating male team matches, thanks to the England FA. I mean, that's already happening everywhere. Yeah. The uh, parents will be forced to take more responsibility for their children's education. Okay. There will be world leaders who die, and the U.S. will have their first female president. I can see Biden kicking the bucket and Kamala Harris taking over, okay? Only because Biden, look, I'm not right, I'm not left, I'm for the party of the people, okay? We don't talk about politics on this podcast, but I am going to say this. You cannot tell me that when you watch a speech given by Biden that something's not right. The lights are on, but no one's home. He'll start talking. And halfway through, he'll just forget what he's talking about. There is clearly something going on health-wise regarding his mental capacity. I have to watch one of his speeches live just to make sure that these videos I'm watching are not, like, edited or some way. Because I feel like sometimes they're edited or something. Oh, they are. Yeah. Before I make that judgment, I have to see a live one. But I, I do agree with you, though. And I just want to reiterate, we are not right. We are not left. We are for the party of the people. So there you go. I hope Kamala Harris does not become president. She locked a lot of people up in California for just minor infractions. Like if someone had a little bit of weed on them, lock them up. It's like, damn, come on now. It's just a little bit of weed. Yeah. Anyways, what does the asparagus tell us about our future? All right. So mental health and well-being will continue to be an important cause, which should be. Yeah, I like that. Way to go, asparagus. More public figures can expect to be outed for abusing the system and profiting from illegal actions. I hope so. Yeah, it's a blanket prediction, but I agree. A past UK political leader will return to politics. Don't know anything about the UK politics, but okay. The queen's going to come back to life. She never died. and She's going to take back over. The reptilian queen rises from the dead. Long live the reptilian <laughs> queen. Come here, he's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, climate change will become a victim of compassion overload. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that means. A lot of people will start caring about climate change, I guess. That's what I'm thinking. Compassion overload. I can't wait till the large amount of people realize that almost all pollution comes from corporations and these big corporations pass off the pollution on to you and I. They're the ones doing the polluting, but they say, oh, protect the climate. And they push it off on us and make us drink those cardboard straws. I don't want no cardboard straw. Give me my freaking plastic straw. I hate the taste of cardboard straws. Dude, I hate the taste of cardboard straws. All right, so I look up compassion overload, and it comes up to as compassion fatigue. Oh, so they're going to not care about the climate. 
It is a term that describes the physical, emotional, and psychological impact of helping others, often through experiences of stress or trauma. Compassion fatigue is often mistaken for burnout, which is a cumulative sense of fatigue or dissatisfaction. So, yeah, I guess they're going to stop caring about climate change because they keep trying to push it. Oh, well, okay then. That's what we believe it means. But if you think it means something else, let us know. Especially uh, Jemima Packington, Espermancer, let us know. The next one is well-paid TV personalities will lose their jobs. Okay, another blanket prediction. Influencer culture will dampen as people focus on reality. That one I could see. Yeah, because the cost of living is becoming, you can no longer live anymore. The amount of money people make just for being an influencer now is insane. Like, I don't want to name a bunch of streamers, but how much they get. Yeah, I'm going to name him. I don't give a f***. Aiden Ross, millions of dollars. It's stupid. Not just that, like, he was, like, he's given so much shit. I mean, Elon Musk just recently gave him a Tesla truck. He gave him a Tesla truck? Gave him a Tesla truck. I saw one the other day in person. Did you? I was driving in Austin and came across a Tesla truck, and I'm like, God dang, that thing's ugly. They're ugly. Looks like a big ass, (laughs) looks like a big ass boat driving down the road. And not just that, Aiden Ross, he bought a Rolls Royce, custom everything, never driven it. He just, he bought it and just sat in his garage. And then, meanwhile, you got people starving, barely making it, you know? Yeah. Crazy. But, yeah, those are her 15 predictions that she's made, which she only needs to get at least 11 of them right to stay above her 75% accuracy. I think she's going to get a lot of these right because they're all, well, not all, but majority of them are blanket predictions. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Some of those I could see, definitely see. Well, if you are a loved one, are a psychic, and is also a asperomancer. Send us an email with more predictions. We would love to hear from you. I like to use beans. <laughs> Throw beans in the air. Black-eyed, black-eyed beans or black-eyed peas? Oh, they're peas. Wait, are they peas or beans? Black-eyed beans? I think it's black-eyed peas is a band, isn't it? Yeah. Are they peas or are they beans? I'm pretty sure they're beans, but... Are they called peas? Look this up. Oh. Mandela effect. Black-eyed peas okay black-eyed beans but there's dried blackout peas which one is it and then there's black-eyed peas which is american musical group you know they had a song that said let's get retarded in here yeah and they had to get that uh word out of there so there's black-eyed beans and there's peas oh okay the black-eyed pea or black-eyed bean oh so they're the same thing is grown around the world for its medium-sized edible bean it is a subspecies of a cow bean an old world plant domesticated in Africa. It's an old world or old cow bean? Subspecies of a cow pea, an old world plant domesticated in Africa. Oh. Well, good for them. You know, supposedly if you eat those during New Year, it's supposed to bring you luck. Yeah. I don't, I don't do I don't that. think I've ever ate black-eyed peas or beans before. Maybe that's where we're fucking up. Well, thank you for your last news story, Dan. You're welcome. I hope some of those predictions don't come true. So let's get on to my last news topic, which is about a vase. A vase? Yep, in a certain scenario that happened. Now, before I get into the vase itself, let's talk about garage sales and antique shops, Dan. Oh, we know about those. Now, when you, (laughs) yes, we do, (laughs) because we go to them all the time. Now, when we go to a garage sale or to an antique shop, what is something that you hope happens? We find something that is sold for cheap that is worth millions. Exactly. And I guarantee you that 
Everyone who has been to a garage sale or antique shopping or thrift shopping had this thought whenever they've gone somewhere that, oh, look, I can find something cheap and it's really worth millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Because I know every time I go to an antique shop, I think there is some special hidden antique inside here that is like an artifact from whenever that's worth billions. Every time I go in there, I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what my news story's about. That actually happened? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Now, I have a fear. I fear that I'll sell something that I've had for years, and then like a week later, I learned that that item is worth a ton of money, and the person that I sold it to got super rich off of it, and I end up being labeled as an idiot who sold the item for cheap, mm. which is why I don't really hold garage sales. Plus, I don't really like interacting with individuals that much. I'm antisocial. So anyways. Like I stated, my last news article is over this scenario happening. Not selling something and realizing it's worth a lot, but going thrift shopping and finding something that's worth a lot. So just north of Richmond, Virginia, is Hanover County. There is a 43-year-old woman who lives there named Jessica Vincent. Now, Jessica loves going to thrift stores, and she has been going to them with her mother since she was a little girl. Also, Jessica loves the TV show Antique Roadshow, which if you don't know what that is, it's pretty much just a TV show where individuals take their antiques to it and these experts come on and say, oh, look, it's a vibrator from the 1600s that's worth $8 million. Congratulations that your great-grandmother was a pervert. But you're rich now. You're rich. So yeah, kind of like that. They go over antiques and value them. So over the years, Jessica has been watching this show and has been going to multiple thrift stores. And this has allowed her to develop a unique ability to spot items at these stores that are worth way more than they are priced, basically finding hidden treasures. Now, in the past, Jessica has purchased items for a few dollars, such as a wood carving from a famous artist, which ended up being worth a few thousand dollars. However, in all of her years of thrift shopping, she never expected a discovery to change her life. So in June of last year, Jessica went to a local Goodwill in Hanover County, Virginia. As she walked through the Goodwill, she looked around, passing up VCRs, lamps, and other glassware that is commonly sold there. Suddenly, a glass bottle vase with red and green swirls, caught her eye. She looked at it and said, okay, and just continued walking, passing it up. Mm. After walking around the entire store, Jessica walked back to the bottle-shaped vase and picked it up. She noticed that on the bottom of the vase was the letter M. That is when Jessica thought that maybe the letter M meant Murano which is an island that is home to historical Italian glassware. All right, wait, wait, wait. So she just randomly knew that Murano is like the... The home to historical Italian glassware. She's like, oh, what a coincidence. This is an excellent art piece that has the letter M on it. Maybe it's home to this Italian glassware. Now, there was no price on the vase. So Jessica decided that the most that she was going to pay for it was $8.99. She took the vase up to the counter 
and the cashier rang her up for $3.99. So she purchased the vase and thought to herself that, hey, if this vase is truly from Murano, then I just made an easy $1,000 to $2,000 because that's what she thought the vase would be worth. And if it wasn't worth that, it's not a big deal because she got a cool-looking glass vase for $4. And I do have a photograph of that glass vase. I mean, it actually looks kind of cool. Yeah, it looks cool. So when Jessica returned home from Goodwill, she ended up getting on Facebook and joining a group for glass identification. She posted the glass vase on the group, and some of the members told her, hey, this looks like it was designed by a famous Italian architect, and you should probably get this checked out at the right auction house because they're known to sell these famous glass vases. So Jessica ended up sending the photos of the vase to the auction house, and the president of the auction house, as soon as he got the photos, he called her, and he was like, hey, you need to submit this vase. So she ended up submitting it, and the auction house had their specialists evaluate it. The glass vase was determined to be a part of the Penelet series that the famous Italian architect designed in the 1940s. The vase was in pristine condition, and the experts stated that, hey, if this vase had a chip in it, even a small one, it would probably sell for under $10,000. However, since the vase was in perfect condition, and we don't know how many there are in the world, it's estimated that this vase could fetch anywhere between thirty dollars to $50,000 in an auction. So in December of 2023, the vase was auctioned off and sold for a total of $107,100 to an unidentified private art collector in Europe. Around $83,500 went to Jessica, and around $23,600 went to the auction house. So in January of this year, Jessica, who trains polo horses, ended up purchasing a farmhouse that was built in the 1930s, and with her new money, she is hoping to upgrade the farmhouse with a heating system and to install a dishwasher and add fencing. Now, in regards to the Goodwill store, it is unclear how they got the vase, and once they heard the news about this vase being purchased there, a spokesperson for Goodwill of Central and Coastal Virginia ended up coming out and stating that they process more than 2 million donations a year, and pinpointing the exact donor of the glass vase would be nearly impossible. So they have no idea who donated it. Hmm. So there you go. Jessica purchased this vase for $3.99 and then sold it and got $83,500 for it. So what does the M stand for? Murano. So it was really from Murano? Yeah, it was from Murano. Figured it had the S on it for Scarpa. Well, Murano is the area where the Italian glassmaker makes his stuff at. Oh, go down to our local Goodwill, look for a glass vase with the M on it. Yeah, let's end this recording. Let's go down to Goodwill and look for some glass, baby. We're going to... I'm sure if we say that to the people down there, hey, y'all got any glass? Like, yeah, we got some, we got some meth. <laughs> yeah, there's some questionable folks around here. Yep, that's Austin for you. So that right there is my last strange news story. I like that one. If you or a loved one have found something at a garage sale, a thrift store, or an antique store, and it ended up being worth a whole lot more, send us your story. We would love to hear from you. All your times going thrifting, did you find anything worth value? Say 
couple hundred more than what you pay for? Or? Uh, the first U.S. edition of the Bhagavad Gita, I didn't pay much for it, and it's worth probably four or five times what I paid for it. Nice. Besides that, I mean, nothing off the top of my head, but I've purchased a lot of stuff from antique stores. Actually, I take that back. Uh -oh. I know exactly what I purchased that's worth way more. So months ago, when we went to the antique shop and we found those folders of those autographs oh, for three bucks, we got multiple celebrities autographs that were legit. So there was this old lady who would write into these celebrities and say, hey, can you please send me an autograph? I'm a huge fan. They would autograph a photo and send it back to her. Well, her family, I guess, had an estate sale and sent all of it to an antique store. And they ended up taking all those celebrities' photographs that were autographed and packaged them up and sold them. And I was digging back behind this, uh, these books in an antique shop and came across them. And I was like, oh, my God, we have, like, Al Pacino's autograph. Uh, who's that one guy who's, like, Tiger Blood? Charlie Sheen. Oh, Charlie Sheen. Oh, yeah, you do have a Charlie yeah, Sheen. Yeah, Charlie Sheen, John Goodman. I mean, these are all well-known actors. There's uh, also VHS tapes, the cover of them. It was like, I don't say less than 10 of them that were flattened out, and they were autographed as well. Like, we have a Schindler's List VHS cover that was flattened out, and Liam Neeson autographed it in gold marker. And then there's. Scarface that was autographed by Al Pacino and multiple other ones like that. And we just paid a few bucks for them, but they're worth a whole lot more. You got most of those photos hanging up now. Yeah, we framed uh, almost all those and put those in the upstairs room. So, yeah, that would be my best thrift find by far. I don't think I found anything too crazy yet. Don't give up. One day. One day. One day I'll hit the jackpot. I'll find a nice little vase with the M on it. And you'll be like, I know what this is. I know what this is. And then next thing I know, this lady's going to come out of nowhere, tackle me. I'm Jessica, the vase collector. I know what it is first. <laughs> well, that's the end of my strange news stories and pretty much the end of strange news seven. If you enjoyed this episode and for some odd reason, you can't get enough of us, head over to Patreon. And today we have published on Patreon strange news 7.5 which is an additional episode where we cover additional strange news topics that are very weird. There's some good ones on there. There are some very good ones on there. So go check that out. If you want to, it's five bucks a month, and we would greatly appreciate it. That's right. But with that being said, that is the end of today's episode. I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are amazing, every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. <laughs> <laughs>